Welcome uh, to week two of our series called Free to Be Me. How many of you have been watching the Olympics, the Winter Olympics? How many of you? Yeah, many of you have been. I, have, I love the Winter Olympics. Uh, I'll be honest, though, it's been hard to watch the last couple days since there is no chance of Canada winning gold in either men's or women's hockey. Uh, that, that hurts a little. I think I've said this before, that if in Canada, we could win gold in every, every event, but if we don't win in hockey, riots happen in the streets, right? It gets crazy. Uh, there's a good chance maple syrup prices are going to go up this week just in rebellion. Uh, it's going to be like Philadelphia after the Super Bowl, except we're not going to destroy things and everyone's going to be really polite. But other than that, it's like the exact, the exact same thing. I, I, I just, I love the Winter Olympics especially. I, I just think, I think they're fun. And, uh, and I, saw, uh, I saw my wife posted this this week and I thought this, this describes it exactly. Uh, the Winter Olympics are fun because 85% of the events would kill you if you tried them, right? If you, if you think about it, giant slalom, right? If you did, dead, if you did that, uh, half pipe, you try it, dead, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Ski jumping, flying through, dead, right? Luge, dead. Skeleton is the luge, but you go head first, extra dead, right? Like it's just, it's crazy. And then curling, which is fine, right? We curling, curling, yeah. I mean, you might lose your voice and get a blister. That's about, that's about it. But most of the sports, right? I mean, most of the sports, there's this, there's this element to it. But I love, I love the dedication. I love the stories of Olympic athletes. Yeah, just the thought, man, of four plus years of sacrifice in their diet and their practice schedules and, then, and how hard they work on things. It's amazing. I usually last like four days into my New Year's resolution and I'm already eating donuts, right? Like, it's just like, like I'm, I'm just amazed at it. And you think about it, you think about like all of that training, all of that work, all that sacrifice, and they go into it. And for most of them, most of them are gonna come home disappointed in some way. And, and, and you just gotta, you gotta feel for that, right? That their, their value, their worth is told to them that you are either gold, silver, bronze, or for most of you, you're, you're nothing in this. Have you ever wondered what you're worth? Like, like beyond your bank account, beyond your address or the, the square footage of your home, beyond the car that you drive or the clothes that you wear or the number on the scale when you look at it, we all want to feel valuable, right? We all want to know what our, what our worth is. The problem is that most of us look for it in the, in the wrong things don't we? we? We try to find it in things. Maybe you compare yourself to someone who's more financially successful than you are. And so as you drive home to your nice home, you drive by that neighborhood with the really nice homes in it, right? And you begin to wonder like, what is it that they do? And then that quickly turns into what's wrong with me. Or you go to your friend's house, right? And you go to your friend's and her house is, is perfect. You walk in and it smells good, right? Like, like cookies and dryer sheets. And you're like, my house never, never smells like this. And then just dinner is served like on time and her hair is perfect. And you love her because she's your friend, but you hate her because she seems perfect, right? And, and, and it's just, it's hard. And maybe we can ask those questions. Why can't I live like that? Or maybe you're a student. Maybe you're a student and, and you've got a friend and one of your closest friends is they're good looking and they're smart and they're popular and you, you work at it with everything you have just to get kind of B's and C's and they don't study and they get, they get straight A's, right? And then, and then you go to the dance alone and your friend goes, has like seven invitations to the stupid dance that I didn't even want to go to. Anyways, and you begin to wonder, do I have any value? Do I have any worth? Sometimes, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, Sometimes I think we feel it with there's kind of spiritual inadequacy. 
Right? Maybe you, you as, a, as a Christian, you, you're around that super Christian. You know who I'm talking about, right? Like you share something that's going on in your life and they're like, well, that reminds me of Second uh, Chronicles uh, 12, 14, right? And then they begin to quote it to you and you're like, how do they know that? And is that even a book? Right? Does, that even, does it even exist? And then when they pray, right? You know, when they start praying, God's like, whoa, that's a prayer, right? Like, did you guys hear that? That's a prayer. And you're like, it was a prayer. And then they turn to you and they're like, why don't you pray? And you're like, oh no, right? I don't want to pray. Like, I'm not whole, I can't. But then you feel guilty. And so you do. And you're like, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, amen, right? And you're just like, I'm, I'm terrible at this whole like Jesus thing, right? And, and we just, we feel, we feel that way. I feel that way. If you've ever felt like anything like that, I want you to know that I'm, I'm right there with you. Right, I completely feel that. I've always felt that I've had to prove myself. I don't know why, I don't know what it is. I don't know that, that my parents really put any extra pressure on me, that I, I just do. I, I wanna perform or I feel like I need to perform to some standard that most of the time in my life seems unrealistic. I wrestle with not feeling good enough about myself. As an adult, I think the most, the, the time that I felt the most inadequate was the time that, that Ty was born, right? And he was just minutes old. They put him in my hand. He was a little slimy still, right? And, and I remember thinking, I, I don't have what it takes to do this. And, and, and our parenting track record, right, for Laura and I, it just wasn't really strong. We had a guinea pig. He didn't make it. Uh, he... <laughs> tried to eat right out of his cage. I'm like, are you that unhappy with us? Like, what, is, what does that mean? And we had two Japanese fighting fish, which you can't put in the tank at the same time, apparently. Who knew, right? We didn't, and that, that didn't work out well. The only animal that we hadn't, hadn't kind of killed was our cat, which I didn't like. I was allergic to it. It would like sleep on my head. In fact, I left the door open accidentally sometimes, and it, but it wouldn't leave. It would never, it would never leave. I did actually find, though, Laura sent me this. I think if I had to get a cat, I finally found a cat that I would like. Check out this clip here. That's a good cat right there, right? That's a, I like that cat. That's a, I, could get, I could get along with that cat. Um, but in my mind, right, in my mind, Ty didn't stand, a, he didn't stand a chance with us, right? He's either gonna end up in a shoebox or I'm gonna be allergic to him and not like him. And, and, and I just didn't know what to, what to do with that, this overwhelming fear in my life. You wouldn't believe how inadequate I feel as a, as a pastor, right? Because from day one, I just didn't feel like I, I could do this. I, I don't, I'm not holy enough. I don't know enough. I don't know Greek. I, I don't know Hebrew. In fact, every weekend, someone tells me that, that I don't even speak English right, eh? And so like, I, I don't even know. I don't know. And I shared this with Mike. I did a couple weeks ago. I shared this with Mike. And because um, that last series that he did was incredible, wasn't it? I mean, he was like, he was like Oprah. He's like, you're set free and you're set free. And, you're, and it was just like everywhere. And every week I was having conversations with people and they were incredible, right? Like people were saying stuff like, I've never heard teaching like this. And I'm like, I know you're right. And they're like, it's as if God is speaking directly to me. And I'm like, he is, you're a sinner. And, and so I didn't say that, I just thought it. But, but God, God used Mike in that series, right? To, just to set people free. And, and it, was, it was amazing. And, and please don't get me wrong, right? I, I'm so, I was so grateful for what God was doing in people's lives. But at the same time, I'm not gonna lie to you, I was overwhelmed with this, this sense of inadequacy about this series. I'm like, how do I follow up after, after Mike, right? Because like, I know that I'm not Mike. I know that I'm nowhere near as smart as Mike is. I'm not nearly as gifted as Mike is. My arms are nowhere near the size of Mike's, right? Like, I know, I know those things. 
And I remember, I'm not not kidding, I've probably worn a a path in in this auditorium just walking and praying over the last couple weeks saying, God, how am I supposed to talk to people about their identity in you? How am I supposed to tell people that they're valuable and and how to live confidently when I'm overwhelmed with insecurity and and inadequacy myself? Why do we feel this way? Why why do we, I'm sure there's many reasons. I wanna give you just a couple that I, I think, I think our insecurities come up because of our past right, the problems that I have in in my life. Maybe it's my failures. I know that I'm forgiven, but I I have a lot of trouble forgetting things that I've done. Maybe it's just doubts that have set in because of things that other people have said about you. You don't have what it takes. I wish I never had you. You're never gonna amount to anything. I wish you were more like so-and-so. Our fears, they creep in, right? And then we begin to think, what if I can't do it? What if I'm not talented enough? What what if I don't have what it takes? And we begin to compare others' highlight reels to our behind-the-scenes footage. My inadequacies are there there because I I buy into that line all the time that I'm not as fill-in-the-blank, right? I'm not as pretty as she is. I'm not as talented as he is. I'm not as rich as they are. When there's something in my life that I want to do, that I, I, it's significant, right? There's something that I, I believe God's calling me to, to be about, but all of a sudden these, these messages keep coming back to my mind, right? And I, and I keep reflecting back on those things. Let me ask you this question. Have you let your insecurities determine your identity? We all have, haven't we? We all have, but let me give you, let me give you this, right? Because I have good news and good news for you. And that doesn't happen often in, in, our, in our culture and in our world. Here's the good news. The good news is this, is you're not alone. I don't know if that's really good news because what it really means is that you're messed up. You're just, we're all messed up together, right? But, but at least we're in it together. And so there's a little bit of good news. But here's the great news. The great news is this, is that God knows and God, that's not how God sees you. It's just not how God sees you, right? If, if we can understand and accept how God sees us and what God says about us, it's a game changer in our lives. And that's what I want to take a look at today. If you have your Bible with you, I'd love for you to turn with me to Exodus chapter three, Exodus three. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. We're going to do a live reenactment on stage. Uh, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? We should like start a ministry that, while we're teaching. They just like acted it like live theater. Um, we don't have that, uh, but uh, we do have an app you can download. There's notes there. Uh, there's a side screen that you can follow along with. Now, let me just give you a quick snapshot of Moses' life, okay? That's who we're gonna talk about today. And, and if you've never been in church before, you are at least familiar with the, the story of Moses because you've seen the movie, right? If you're my generation or older, you've seen the 10 commandments. If, if you're like a millennial or younger, you've seen Disney's The, the Prince of of Egypt, and there's a handful of you that are just twisted out there, and you've seen Mel Brooks' History of the World. Uh, check, out, check out this clip. Lord, I shall give these laws unto thy people. Hear me! Oh, hear me! All pay heed! The Lord, the Lord Jehovah, has given unto you these 15... That's not accurate, right? That's, not, that's not, not how it went down, right? But that's just where some of you, that's your, that's your existence of Moses right there. Let me just give you this. Moses was born, he was born a Hebrew, right? That says he was a baby. He was put in a basket by his parents to save his life. Now that might not sound like that's a good way to, to save his life. You have to read the rest of the story to understand that floated in the Nile River where he is found by Pharaoh's sister, 
right? And so she takes him in, she basically adopts him, takes him into his home and raises him as a prince of, of, of Egypt. And so he gets the best of everything, right? He's got the best education, he's got the best clothes, the best food, the best experiences, all of those things are happening in Moses' life. And somewhere in there, Moses discovers that I'm just different. I'm not the same as, as these other people, right, around me. That, and he discovered that he was Hebrew and he realized that the other Hebrews were slaves in Egypt. And that led to a, a conflict for Moses, which end, eventually led to him um, actually murdering an Egyptian slave master who was mistreating a slave which led to Moses being exiled into the desert uh, for 40 years. He was about 40 years old when he left Egypt. He's now spent 40 years in the desert. He's about 80 years old when he has this encounter with God. In Exodus chapter three, verse one, it says this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, let me just stop here for a second because I think some of us, some of us can understand, right? I think we feel the same way that I imagine Moses was feeling. Life was good for Moses, right? And then all of a sudden he made a mistake and, and everything in his life changed. And now he's spent the last 40 years in this desert and it says the far side of the wilderness, He's been hanging out with sheep as a shepherd now, wondering what happened, maybe even questioning, questioning God. Where have you been, God? What are you, what are you doing in my life? And, and maybe that's, that's your story. Maybe it was one choice, one mistake, one consequence. Maybe it wasn't even your fault, but now you feel far from God and you feel alone and by yourself. I, I wanna tell you that, that God's not done with you yet. Look at verse two. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. And so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Some of you, some of you, maybe you're new. Maybe this is your very first time. Maybe it's just your first time in church for a while. And as we've been kind of going through this service and, and the, the craziness of the parking lot and all of that kind of stuff, you may be thinking, yeah, there's some stuff here I don't understand. Maybe it even feels a little strange to you. But there's something, right, that, that's drawing you here. There's a reason why you're here tonight. And I don't believe it's by accident. I believe that God is, is drawing you here. And as you're taking that, that step forward, as you're taking that step toward God, as you're exploring it a little, I want you to understand that God knows and God sees that and God likes that, right? It's a good thing. God knows what you're going through. He knows where you are on your spiritual journey. And when Moses goes over to check out this, this strange thing, right, that, that God is in, God calls out to him. And that's my hope for you today. In some way, as you're drawn to something that you may not even understand, that God is going to speak to you today. And, and I hope that your response is the same response that Moses had. Here I am, God, I'm, I'm listening to you. I don't know that I have all the answers. I'm, I'm not sure where I am in my faith part of this yet, but I'm at least gonna listen to you. Verse five, God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. See, it got real for Moses all of a sudden, right? And, and we see that he's afraid. 
He's like, God, I don't understand you. I, I don't get you. I, I can't even look at you right now. And we don't know exactly what the relationship between Moses and God is like at, at, at this point. My guess is that he's heard stories about God. Maybe he heard the, the slaves when he was in Egypt singing songs about God. Maybe he even asked them questions about, uh, about this God that they worshiped and followed. But that's gotta feel like another life to him. And here's Moses, right? He hasn't seen from, he hasn't heard from God in a while. And, and it seems that he's, a, he's afraid to even look at God, right? There's, there's a lack of confidence in their relationship right now. And I wanna take a look at the conversation that Moses has with God at that burning bush because what we're gonna see is that Moses is really wrestling with his, with his value, with his worth. And he makes up four excuses that I think are the same excuses that we feel and that we tend to, to believe about ourselves. But then I wanna take a look at what God, what God really has to say about that. Exodus 3 verse 9. God said this, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, right? God is giving Moses the assignment of a lifetime. He, he said, Moses, you were created for this. You spent time in Pharaoh's palace, right? Nobody knows Egyptian culture and language and the people, even Pharaoh himself, like you do, Moses. And God's saying, I want you to go back and I want you to, to go and I want you to lead the, my people out of slavery. And look at Moses' response, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Right? We see the very first excuse that he makes. It's his insecurities. Moses says, who am I? Who am I, God? Right? Moses thought that his problems disqualified him from, from being close to or even being, being used by God in any way. Obviously, God, you, you've been watching my life, right? I, I'm a murderer. I, I've been in exile for 40 years. I've messed up. I've got issues, right? You don't want me. I'm the wrong guy, God. I, have, I am not worthy of this. You ever asked that? Ever thought that in your life? What do I have to offer? I'm not as talented as they are. I'm not as, as educated as, as she is. Who am I? Verse 12, God said this. I will be with you and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I love God's response, right? God says this, he says, Moses, I'll be with you. And maybe, right, maybe you would think, well, maybe the, the response from God should have been like, like, let me tell you who you are, Moses, right? Let me speak into that. But that's not what God says. He says, Moses, I'll, I'll be with you. See, he redirects Moses' attention away from himself, away from, from his flaws, away from his insecurities, and he redirects it back onto God himself. He says, focus on me, focus on my strengths, focus on my character. This is how this plays out, right? You, you go to church, you, know, you join a small group, you're reading your Bible, you start to feel like you're drawing closer and closer to God, and then your mind begins to whisper to you that, that you're weak. Remember when you said that? You remember when you did that? After what you did last night, you think that that's, everything's okay now and we're overwhelmed by our own securities. See, the reality is, is you're right. You really are. You're, you're not good enough on your own, but God knows that, right? And God says that it's okay because I did everything for you. It's not about you. It's not about what you did. God says, don't focus on who you are. Instead, I want you to focus on who I am. Moses says, don't focus on yourself. Focus on me. And so God had an answer to Moses' insecurities, but Moses isn't done, right? We see his next one pops up. It's his, it's his doubts. And he asks this question. He says, well, God, who are, who are you, right? I think Moses is questioning if God really is a, a powerful, powerful God. 
I wonder if he's felt abandoned by God. He saw how those slaves were being treated. God, those were your people and it seems like you've forgotten about them. And here I've been in this desert, in this wilderness for 40 years with, with a bunch of sheep, right? I, my life's messed up. Where are you, God? And I think his view of God is that God is weak and maybe distant and that he's abandoned him. And in verse 13, look at what God said. Or look at what Moses said. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, look at this, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. How's that for an answer, right? That's what God says. God isn't being vague here. He's actually answering every single question at, at once. He says, Moses, you wanna know how big I am? I can't even begin to, to give you the whole list of how big I am, Moses. Go ahead, start asking, because the answer is always gonna be, I am. Well, God, are you? Yep, I am. Well, what about this? I am. Can you? I am. And this? Yep, I am. And I am, and I am that before you even ask it, right? And he's like, he's like I am everything you need me to be, Moses. The answer is always going to be yes. See, if you have a small view of God, the problem with that is it puts a lot of weight on you, doesn't it? But if you trust in a big God, if you trust in an I am everything kind of God, then we don't need to be paralyzed by our doubts anymore. He says, you've got me, Moses. Isn't that enough? That, that's, all you, that's all you need. What else could you possibly need? I am everything that you need. And you would expect at this point, right, a, a yes from Moses. You'd expect, a, okay, God, I'm, I'm all in. You'd be wrong, because um, that's not what, what Moses does in, at all. In fact, God goes and gives him some clear instructions on what to do and what to say. And here's Moses' third response and the third, the third insecurity thing that we see in him is it's his fears. And Moses says, asks this question, he says, well, what if? Exodus 4, verse 1, Moses answered, what, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? I mean, what, if I, what if I go, God, and I, I say, okay, so a bush was talking to me, right? And they're like, okay, right? Like, well, no, it wasn't an ordinary bush. It was on fire. And they're like, right, Moses, we're, we're, did you smoke some of that bush by any chance, right? When you were like, what, what's happening here? Because it seems like a legit question, doesn't it? What if I came back to you next week and said, so I was talking to a bush this week, right? You'd be like, we're out of here, right? Like, we're not going to listen to this. Moses is dealing with his fears here. And if we're not careful, what can happen in our lives is we can, we can let what people think form what we believe and what we do in our lives. If we're not careful, the opinions of others keep us from living the life that God intends for us to live. We're gonna talk specifically about how to deal with the opinions of others and what other people say next week. Right now, I just wanna focus on, on the fear. See, we all have things in our lives that we're afraid of. Afraid of, of failure, fear of rejection, fear of what other people might think. Moses is afraid. In verse two, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, then throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake and he ran from it. And then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And so Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. 
God says, Moses, obviously words aren't, aren't working, right? And so let me, let me show you. What, what do you have on you, Moses? What, what's that in your hand? And he, he says, it's just, it's just a, a, a stick, right? And what God does is he takes the ordinary and he turns it into something extraordinary. Now, you may not think a, a snake qualifies as extraordinary, but you get, the, you get the point, right? And I love Moses' reaction, right? It's so real. He threw it down and he ran because Moses is afraid. I would be too, right? I'd be out of there. You never say anything about snakes, God, right? Like, I don't, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna deal with that. But I love, I love how God responds. God sees right through all of that. See, I wonder if this were you or if this were me. If you were God and you were dealing with Moses, I've already told you twice, right, that, that I've got this. I just performed a miracle for you. Uh, next, right? Like, just give me one of those sheep over there, Moses, because I, I, I'm, I'm, done, I'm done with you, but not God. Not only is he patient with us, but he has a purpose for our lives. And God says, pick it up by his tail. And, and Moses shows some kind of courage here, right? He, he bends over and he picks it up and it turns back into a, a walking stick again. And, and maybe you're thinking, yes, Moses finally got it. He's finally beginning to, to trust God. And Moses is recognizing God's power in his life and that God is going to use him to free the Israelites out, out of Egypt. And, and so after all that, look at what Moses says. Verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, but I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And here's the fourth excuse, his inadequacies. He said, God, I, I have never, right? And I think, I think maybe this is where God created the phrase oive, right? He was just like, I, I, I don't know. Seriously, Moses, like after all that I've done, I, I don't know what else to, to do. But Moses says, hey, I love the whole stick thing, right? That, that was cool, but, but I stutter. I've got a speaking problem. And it's not just now in front of you, God. I, like I've had this my, my whole life. And, and so obviously you, you made a mistake, right? You made a mistake when you made me. And I think you made a mistake in, in choosing me. You ever thought that? Not me, God. Have you seen my weaknesses? I can't serve in that ministry. I can't in, invite them to Easter, Everything I do just gets messed up. I just don't have what it takes. Verse 11, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. God says, Moses, who made you? I did I did, Moses, and Moses, guess what? I do not make mistakes. God picked the stutterer to be the one that he was gonna put on stage to speak in front of Pharaoh. Why? Maybe it, you're maybe thinking, that seems cruel. Maybe you've heard the statement or maybe you've made the statement before. Don't, don't tell God what you don't wanna do, right? Because he's going to what? He's gonna make you do it, right? That's wrong, that's, that's bad theology. That's not how God works. But why does God sometimes ask us to do things that are difficult? Because he wants to see our faith. He wants to see if we're going to trust him because God rewards faith. When we say, God, I'm uncertain, but I'm gonna take a step forward. God, I'm uncertain, but I'm gonna take this leap. God says, yes, that's what I wanted to see. Trust me with all of the rest. I know you can't do this on your own. It's not about you, it's about me. Chris Hodges said, until, until you get used to taking steps of faith, you can never have the best of God. See, when, when God can get you to take a leap forward in faith, what it causes you to do is it causes you to take your eyes off of yourself and put your, your eyes on God. Let me ask you this question. What's God been asking you to do, but you've been too reluctant 
to do it. Let me give you three things, three truths that we need to understand about our value in God's eyes. Here's the first. God's view of you is different than yours. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You are a masterpiece. You are a work of art. You are unique. There is no one else like you, one of a kind, created by the creator just the way that he wanted to create you. When God looks at you, he sees you as his treasured possession and there is no one. Nobody values you more than God does nobody. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, when God looks at you, he sees this masterpiece that he created and, and you are worth so much to him that he paid the ultimate, the highest price for you so that we could be living, breathing pictures of his mercy and his grace. See, our identity is not defined by what we do. Our identity is defined by what God did for us. Here's the second thing. God has given you more than you think. Ephesians 1, 5 God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. You're adopted, right? How significant is this? It's huge. In Roman law, right, when that verse that I, that I just read, when that was written in the New Testament times, they were living under Roman law. In Roman law, you could not disown an adopted child. You could disown a child that had been born to you, right? It's, it's crazy. But, but if you had been adopted as a child, you were forbidden to disown that child. And what God says is this, is that through faith in Jesus, you've been adopted into my family. He chose you. We talked about that last week. He says, you're mine. You're in my family. And there is nothing that you can do to change that. And you may be asking, Donnie, really? Like, does God know what I did last week? Does he, does he know my past? Does he know my history? Yes, he, he does. And he loves you anyways. See, fellowship can be broken between a, a child and their parent, but that never stops you from being the child of that parent. And the exact same is true in our relationship with God. When you're a part of the family of God, you will always be in the family of God. What I love most about this picture of adoption is the choice, right? When, when we conceive a child, we don't get to choose much after that. I remember praying and, and hoping that, that Ty would get the, the best of both Laura and I, which really meant Laura's looks, intelligence, and, and personality, and, and my athletic ability, right? Like that's, what I was, that's what I was banking on, but we didn't get to choose how that was gonna play out. But when you adopt a child, you get to choose. You choose them specifically to be a part of your family. You choose to love them, not because they've earned it, but because, because you want to love them. And that's the exact same way that God treats us. See, with the adoption also comes another benefit. You become, you become an heir in the family. Ephesians 1.11 says, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. When you're a part of the family, you get access to everything the family is and everything the family has. And so when you need peace, God says, yeah, I'm, I'm peace for you, you got it. When you need courage, God says, yeah, I'm, I'm that. When you need strength, it's there for you. When you need forgiveness, all over that one, you get full access to everything that God is. And here's the last one, the third thing. It's really less about you than, 
than you think. So you're so valuable to God that Jesus paid the ultimate price for you. Titus chapter three says this, but when the kindness and love of God, our savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. So you're saved, not because of what you did, but you're saved because of God's mercy. You're saved because of God's kindness. You're saved because of God's love for you. Jesus died for you. It's done. That's it, finished. What is it that makes something valuable? There's a couple things, right? One is, is that it's who owns it. There are things that, that famous people have, right, that are, are more valuable than things that, that you have, right? And, and, and that's just, that's just because it's, it's because of who they are. If you were to go to a shoe store and, and find a, a pair of shoes and one of them said these were Donnie Peter's shoes and the other next to them said these were um, LeBron James shoes, guess who are more important, right? It, it's because who owned them. The second, though, is this, is how much did it cost? You and I cost a lot, right? It cost Jesus his life. But God loved you so much that Jesus did it willingly for us. So if God loves you that much, if God thinks that you are that valuable, then we need to own that. We need to understand that. No matter what I may think, I need to begin to change my thinking to understand what God thinks and says about me. Your value comes from who created you and what, what was paid for you. I wanna close with one more verse. Remember how we started this? Remember in, in, in Exodus 3, Moses, remember he hid his face from God? In verse six, it said this, then, then he said, I am the God of your father, the, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And then and look at this, at, at this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. When Moses first encountered God, he was so insecure, he felt so inadequate that he was, he was trying to hide from God. Now I want you to see what happens when Moses understands what God thinks of him. When Moses understands the value that God has declared towards Moses. This is after Egypt. This is after crossing the Red Sea. This is after getting the, the 10, not 15, 10, 10 commandments, right? And Moses, he sets up a tent, right? Everywhere they go, they're in the desert. He would set up a tent outside of all of the other tents. And in this tent, he would go specifically to meet with God. And look what happens in Exodus 33, 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Isn't that incredible? Moses has developed the kind of relationship with God that allows him to speak face to face with him. No longer making excuses about why, why God can't use him. Instead, he's, he's speaking to him face to face like, a, like you would speak to a friend. That's what I want for you. That's what God wants for you and that's what is available to you today. So when you understand how much your worth, when we understand that God paid everything for you, that you are his child, you are an heir, you are his masterpiece, guess what? You don't ever need to be insecure again. He loves you as you are. Amen. You are valuable. You matter to him. The next time you think you're ugly, not talented enough, not smart enough. And the next time you look in the mirror and you're tempted to look at the flaws that are there, I want you to remember what God thinks of you. That if the God who created everything, who knows everything, who is in control of everything, thinks that you are valuable, and so should you. And instead of focusing on what you aren't, we begin to focus on who God is. Will you bow with me and pray? God, thank you. In this series, we're, we're trying to figure out how, how do we live free? 
How do we live to, to be free to, to be me? God, I thank you that it's only in a relationship with you that we, can, that we can experience that. God, last week we looked at the fact that you chose us before you created a, a single thing in the universe. You created all of those things so that, so that I could exist, so that we could exist, so that we could be in relationship with you and you forgave us. And now, God, we understand that we are so incredibly valuable to you. God, you love us so much that when you made us as we are, that God, you made us beautiful, that you made us your masterpiece. God, as a result of Jesus, and by putting my faith in him, that I can be adopted into your family, that I can be an heir of everything that you are and everything that you offer to me, and that, God, I can recognize that I have value and worth, not based on what I do, not based on what I think about myself, not based on what anyone else says about me, but, God, based on who you are and what you did for me. And, God, if there's anyone here today, maybe for the very first time, God, they, they just want that. God, if that's available to me, I, I want to be in a relationship with you. Just in the quiet of your heart, will you just pray, God, thank you so much for choosing me, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saying that I have value. I put my trust in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross and, and raising again so that, so that I could be set free, so that I could be forgiven. God, thank you for declaring that my worth is in who you say I am and what you've done for me and not anything else in this world. God, will you help us to live, to be free, to be me, the me that you created, to live out the purpose that you created us for. God, we love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.